You guys could go ahead and have a seat. <clears throat> My name is Ricky. I am one of the pastors at City Light South. And for you guys to know, uh, yeah, you, we are, yeah, this is City Light Lincoln, City Light here in Central Lincoln. Uh, but we're part of a, of a bigger family, you know, of other churches, uh, other churches, planting churches. And so, yeah, you guys are here. There's City Light North. And then we're at South. And actually, I used to be on staff here. I was on staff for about two and a half years. Loved my time here. And then uh, just as God uh, led us, you know, it's just like, hey, we're going to plant in central South Lincoln. And uh, we launched as our own church to do core team phase March 1 of 2020. It was, you know, if you remember, then it was like two weeks later, everything shut down. So it was super amazing timing. Uh, I planned it well. Um, but yeah, it's been cool to just see what God is doing there at Cindy Light uh, South um, and just seeing... Um, yeah, a lot of growth, a family coming together. We, uh, you know, minister to a lot of just working people, young families. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be back with you guys, you know. Um, yeah, I loved my time here, loved you guys. And so it's fun to just be here with you guys and to see just kind of the, the family that we're all part of. Um, so in college, I was accused one time of cheating. And it was for beginning acting class. And if you're like, why are you taking beginning acting class? Well, one, it's a requirement. You have to do the fine arts thing. Two, I mean, I thought, wait a minute. It was, yeah, it fulfills a requirement. But, but maybe, maybe I could be like future Jim Carrey or future Denzel. Um, who knows? You know, I could, I could, maybe I could make it in acting, um, you know, and see what's happening. But, you know, the assignment was you had to go watch a play. And then write a review about it. And then me and my friend Toby, we were super close friends. I mean, we hung out all the time. So we go and we watch the play together. And then we kind of talk about it afterwards. And then he, he goes home and writes his paper. And then a couple days later, I go and do it at the computer lab. Um, back then, not everybody had a laptop back then. R- Ricky, you're not that old. You look like, a, you know, so fresh and young. Um, thanks, church. Um, but, you know, and so, so like, you know, I didn't cheat, in case you're wondering. Um, but, but because Toby and I, we, we were, we had, we hung out, we had so much in common, uh, and we had this, such this tight relationship that we even, we even did really talk very similarly. And so our teacher thought that we, we cheated, we didn't get kicked out, we just had to go do another one, watch the, watch the play. Um, but, you know, uh, in, in all of these friendships that we have, um, and my friendship with Toby is, man, we did hang out all the time because we had so much in common. We both loved board games, card games. We both loved sports uh, and to just be active. Uh, we're both dorky, both very intelligent, highly attractive people. I know. You see it. Um, but, you know, and that, that's why we ended up even, even just talking similarly because, you know, we just had so much in common. But we, but we also... Had um, you know, we also just shared other stuff. You know, we, we had a common faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we just shared life. We shared struggles. Walked through life together. And um, you know, even though I haven't lived uh, near him for even twenty years now, uh, we, you know, we still have a, a friendship still going because of that. Um, and it, here's kind of the thing: what, whatever you have in common with someone else tends to move you forward in some sort of relational way. Right? It might be simple. It might be simple like just going to a Husker game. 
Or you don't know the person next to you, but you're both Husker fans. And so suddenly you sit there and you're like, hey, hey, we're kind of friends. High five, yeah, we scored, oh, oh, go Big Red. And then afterwards you could talk about how you almost won with them, right? But, but hey, once the game's kind of over, what you have in common's kind of done and, and it, you're kind of done moving forward with them. You know, it's like, hey, maybe I'll see you again sometime, but whatever, right? Maybe you have something deeper. Uh, that you share in common with somebody, and, and, and that moves your relationship forward. Maybe, maybe it is playing games together, and so you do that together. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe it's a common experience. My wife and I, we, we, we have some kids that are kind of on the, on the spectrum, and we knew some other people that they also had some kids that were struggling with that. And so that, that was like, hey, this is kind of a big part of our lives is parenting kids in this way, and that really moved us forward in this relationship. Um, and, um, you know, again, the, here's the thing. The deeper the thing that you have in common with somebody, the more that that's going to move you forward together. The deeper it is, the more fundamental it is about who you are that you share something in common with, the more that's going to move you forward. And, and last week, Brett kicked us off with just this thing talking about confession, and we're in 1 John, and it was talking about, hey, we can confess to God our sins. This is a gift. It's not a problem. It's not, it's not something that we should be afraid of. It's this gift that we get to go to our loving, wonderful, heavenly Father and confess our sins. And today, we're talking about our confession of sins to one another. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And when I even mentioned that, hey, we're talking about confessing sins to one another, some of you are like, yeah, I love talking about deep stuff. That's great. I love talking about me and my problems and what's going on. This, Oh, gosh. And then for the rest of us, we're like, huh, no, I don't really like that. That doesn't, that doesn't sound very fun. That's that. Maybe that actually brings up some fear in you, some intimidation, some anxiety. Because you're like, man, wait a minute. If I'm vulnerable, if I'm going to be vulnerable with somebody else, that, well, that's... Um, that's vulnerable. Gosh, I'm going to share somebody like this junk that's going on in my life. What are they going to do with that information? Are they gonna, is that going to come back to bite me? Man, what if, what if I want to like get a job from that person and then they're going to be like, oh, yeah. You know, whatever it might be. Or, or, or you're like, hey, if I share this with them, what are they going to think about me? What is she going to think about me? Or who are they going to tell and then what will they think about me? Right? And it brings, brings up a lot of anxiety. And again, I, those are legit thoughts. I mean, I, I, I get those thoughts too. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a paid Christian. And it's like, hey, hey, what's going on in life, Ricky? Well, uh, you know, I, uh, I, you know it's pretty good. But I don't really want to tell you. I just yelled at my kids because they suck. <laughs> right? Because what are you going to think about me? Pastor guy's got to have it together. Hey, how's your relationship with Jesus? Great. Praise be to God. Actually, you know what? I didn't. Eat, I woke up this morning. I didn't even want to talk to God. I was just like, I don't know. It's not even laziness. It's like, no, I just don't want to pray. I don't want to read your word. I would rather just literally do anything else. Netflix sounds cool. But man, do I really want to tell you about my pathetic like desire for God right now? Because then you're going to be like, wait a minute, shouldn't shouldn't you be the guy that really once God, it's like, well, I did the other day, but today, 
right? I, I, don't, I don't want to share the, that because of, well, what are you going to do with that? But, here, but here's the thing, and, and what we're going to be looking at today in Romans 7 is that the, the things that we really have in common that this passage brings out are so fundamental, they're so deep that that's going to move us forward in confession, that we get to actually confess our sins to one another and be the kind of family that really Jesus died and rose again for. That comes, that brings us back to Jesus. And, and we're going to just look through these things that we have in common, and that will, I think, help us overcome some of our fears and our hesitations when it comes to confessing sins and struggles and pain and shame that we have. Help us to overcome those things and move us forward towards Christ. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Romans chapter 7. Romans is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, then Romans. If you get to 1 Corinthians, you've gone a little too far. So Romans 7, and here's the first thing that we have all in common, every single one of us. We all have a common struggle. We all have a common struggle. So this is Paul here, the apostle, and he is sharing kind of confessing the struggle that he has. Look at verse 14. Um, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am under the flesh, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. So, So Paul's saying, hey, we know that the law of God, it's good, right? It's from God. It's good. It points us, points out our sin, points out God's character, and it, and it shows us our need for salvation, uh, even though the law can't save us, but it shows us our need for, for salvation. But I'm unspiritual, of the flesh. He's just saying, hey, I, I still have this sinful nature. Yeah, I am ultimately new in Christ. I know him. Right? He's made me new. I'm, I'm okay with him. But, but man, sin has this strong attraction. Hey, I still am human. Sin, sin can be very appealing. And there's this, this pull it has on me. Verse 15, for I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. And we keep reading, you know, it's just funny. It's like, hey, I do this. I do and do that. Do, 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 do. Right? And he's, he's, he's saying here, I don't, I don't, man, the things that I'm doing, I don't even understand why I'm doing it. Man, I... I, I, I don't want to disobey God, but gosh, you know, I, I don't want to sin. I don't want to think like that. I don't, I don't want to have this darkness that's just kind of there, but man, I do it. I don't even know why. What's up with that? But, but man, I'm, I'm, gosh, there's this wrestling that he has. I mean, look, look at um, verse 19. Um, he says, for I do not do the good that I want, but the evil is what I keep on doing. Man, I mean, gosh, I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the right thing. I want to know him. I want to pursue him. I want to love other people well. But man, I don't always do it. Man, actually, I end up doing the thing that I hate, the thing that I really don't want to do. And then in verse um, 17, he says, so now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Gosh, that feels like a cop-out, right? You know, Paul, Paul, Paul is saying, well, the sin that I do, it's not, I don't do it, it's sin in me. I mean, I have three kids, and man, this, this, this happens frequently. I mean, maybe I need to be a better parent here. But, 
But I'll go to him like, oh, hey, hey, Colton, what'd you do? Well, Everly, oh, I didn't ask you what Everly did. I know it. I know she did something. She's a sinner. I ask you what you did, right? And then, then he blames her. That's really quick, right? That's what they always do. Blame it. Or, or man, this happens sometimes with my oldest son, Carson. He's a middle schooler. Ooh. If you're a middle schooler, praise be to God. But, ooh, right? And, and I'll come, hey, Carson, what'd you do? Well, but dad, you did. Oh, boy, you just blamed me. And then I just turn around, I'm like, man, it wasn't me, it was your mom. <laughs> right? We, we like to blame. And, and Paul here's like, well, uh, gosh, you know, I'm, I guess I am sinning. I am disobeying. But it's not me. It's sin. And, but Paul's being really serious here. He's not, this is not just this, this cop-out that, that, that he has. I mean, he, for, for Paul or for anyone that's trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're, you, you have been given actually a new identity. You have an identity transformation when you come to Christ. And you're not just some sinner. That's not who you fundamentally are anymore if you're in Christ. Right? The previous chapter, Romans 6, Paul says that we know that our old self, who we used to be without Christ, apart from Christ, our old self was crucified with Christ so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we'd be no longer slaves to sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And so Paul knows his identity. He knows who he really is in Christ. And so this isn't cop out. He's saying, yeah, there is something. It, who I am is really in Christ. My desire is for him. He even says that later. My, man, I, do, I desire to do the law. I desire to follow God. But man, there's something else still there. There's this, this pull to sin. There's these sinful desires in me. And it's there, and it's, it's causing me to pull away from who I really am in Christ. Pulling me away. And, and then in verse 18, um, he just says this, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, Again, who am I? I? I delight in God's law. I desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Meaning, when he says nothing good, nothing good in, in me is good of myself, just me by myself. I need something outside of myself to do good. Because I want to do good, I want to follow Jesus, but I, I don't have the ability to do it. And again, I mean, Paul says, man, the, the good that I do, I don't, want, I, I don't do, and the good that, or the bad things that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. And, and Paul here is just describing this, this, this wrestling that he has in him. Man, I, th this is what's really going on inside of him. Man, who I really am in Christ is pulling me towards Christ, but there's this other force. There's this other power, sin, and it's pulling me away. And here he's just confessing to us. This is, this is my wrestling with sin. And I mean, he, again, he knows who he is. But man, I'm not, I'm not being who I really am in Christ all the time. And that's what discipleship is, just being who we really are in Christ. And I mean, can you, 
I think we can all relate to this, right? This isn't just Paul's story. I mean, this is our last week. Gosh, there were th- things I didn't want to do. Man, I didn't, I didn't want to get that angry at my kids. But, man, probably acted a little too, too aggressively verbally with them. Man, hey, I, I'm in this relationship, and, and I want to be pure, and I want to, hey, we want to be, um, you know, honor God. But, oh, gosh, we went there. Man. Man, and, and hey, I know that I should obey God and, and, and repent and turn away from that and turn to Christ and not do it anymore, but, man, I still kind of want to do it because that was pretty cool. Right? And when we have this wrestling, right, we could all relate. Gosh, man, you, you wanted to get in the Word this week. You wanted to pursue Jesus. You, you, you probably at least some degree have this, this thought, gosh, Jesus is better than everything else. In him is life to the full. And you know what? All of these things that I look for life, that person, that relationship, that approval, I know it's never really going to fill, but oh, I still did it. I still am looking to it. Oh, gosh, I know that Netflix, that show, isn't really that great. And that God's word is truth, and it will change my life. Uh, but, uh, you know, the good that I wanted to do, I didn't do. But I didn't pursue Jesus. Didn't do all those things. And we can all relate to this. And, and, and maybe you even have these wrestlings in you, and you, you, this question kind of pops in your mind. You think, man, what's wrong with me? Man, what's, what's wrong? I mean, am, am, I, am I even a Christian? Because of what I'm wrestling with? Because of what I'm giving into or I'm not, or I'm not even pursuing Jesus? I mean, am I really okay with God? Does God even like me? And I would say if you're, if you're actually having those wrestling thoughts, that's a probably a good indication that's actually the Spirit of God at work in you. Because you are wrestling with it. You do have this desire to do those things. That doesn't come from you. That comes from the Spirit of God. But here, we all have this same struggle, right? We all have this in common, the struggle with sin, the struggle to follow Jesus. And here's why this passage should move us to confession, should move us to share our darkness, our anxiety, our insecurities, our pain, our shame with one another, is because when it comes to whatever it is you're facing, you're not alone. You're not alone. Right? This is something we all got. And, and, and we like to portray ourselves as having everything together. We, and we even think that other people have it all together. Man, we look at their Instagram, their Facebook, whatever it is, and it's like, man, you seem to be doing great. And they, people don't typically share their junk, so it must be fine. And we think everybody's got it together, and, and we're just kind of like, it's just us that thinks those thoughts. It's just, it's just me that has that wrestling. But again, I mean, this is Paul. The apostle, and this guy wrote most of the New Testament, and this guy wrote Bible. And he's like, this is my life. You're not alone in this. Because the more that you actually keep it to yourself and not share that with somebody else, the more that you're going to be trapped in being alone. The more that you are going to be isolated. So this moves us to just be like, hey, we all have this in common. We all have this struggle. You're, you're not alone. And I mean, we, we should know that we're messed up more than anybody. You know, as followers of Jesus, we should know it. Right? The, we have this Bible. I mean, hey, 
We, we all like sheep have gone astray. Earlier in Romans, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First John 1, I think, you know, maybe you guys, I think you guys covered that last week. If anyone claims he's without sin, he's a liar. Right? You are messed up. Bible says you're messed up. You're jacked. I mean, it's like getting a package from Amazon. You get it and you're like, I don't know. That, that box looks pretty dinged up. Mr. FedEx guy messed it up. And you open it up and you're like, yeah, it's broke. We all came out of the box broke. Right where that's all of us. And that's why Jesus in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who see that they're messed up. Blessed are those who see that they have, they're spiritually bankrupt. Because those kind of people are going to mourn their sin. Those kind of people are going to look to me. Not the ones that think that they got it all figured out. We all, like every marriage has problems. Everybody has insecurities. Everybody has some sort of darkness there. And I know one of the biggest hurdles for confession is, man, what will they think of me? Well, if they're a follower of Jesus, they think you're messed up. Right? I mean, if people like, hey, Rick, I got something to share. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not following you, but yeah. Huh. I'll just give me a heaven sooner or later. Me too. Right? And if they think something of you, who cares? Right? You, Jesus loves you, cherishes you, and he's, he made you and created everything. He's God, and he loves you. Who cares what they think? Plus, I mean, th think about it. Have you ever been around somebody, and it seems like they always have their life together? I mean, it's just like everything's great. Hey, how's marriage? Fantastic. Hey, how's work? Great. Going on vacation because I got a raise and I made this sale. And everything's always amazing. Do you ever find how much you love being around that person more and more? Right? Eventually you're just like, you stink. I don't like you. You just want something in their life to be messed up. I mean, you're willing, like, man, what's something I could just throw out there? You know, just, gosh, you're annoying. Right? You don't get strength from somebody because they all have it all together. Right? I mean, you can impress people with your strengths, but you connect with people through your weaknesses. That's how people get strength. I mean, think of some of the most encouraging words are me too. Man, dude, I'm really struggling with getting in the word. Man, me too. Man, we got something in common. Man, I, f I feel encouragement by your weakness. Man, I'm struggling in this relationship. Me too. Man, parenting's really hard. Work stinks. School stinks. Yeah, that's really hard for me sometimes too. Oh, man, we, this moves us to this confession. And, and again, it's something that we all have. And there is no point that you ever graduate or that you become like varsity Christian that you don't need to confess something. There's no moment that you're like, I got it all figured out. Right? Again, this is Paul, wrote Bible guy, saying, this is hard. This is a battle. And so there's, I, I would say even as you grow in Christ, I mean, I remember I, I really started growing in Christ and starting to become aware of it when I was in high school. You know what I thought was wrong with me? Not much. Now, 20 years later, I'm like, man, there's kind of a lot of stuff messed up. Because I've actually grown in maturity. Growing in maturity helps you become more and more aware of the things that are in your life that don't line up with who Jesus is. 
That's not meant to bring you shame. That's meant to just help you to turn away from it and turn to Christ. Right? That's growth. And so we all have this common struggle with sin, with pain, and that moves us to confession. And here's the second thing. We all have a common salvation. We all have a common salvation. Look at verse 24. So he gets to the end of this struggle, and then Paul says, what wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul asks that question, man, gosh, who will deliver me from this body of death? And here's kind of another thing that many, many times we don't confess sin because we believe this lie that sin isn't a big deal. I mean, notice what Paul says. Paul doesn't say, man, I made, who will deliver me from this body of uh, mistakes? Doesn't say that. Hey, who, whoop, you know, and it, it, we, we kind of think that a lot of times. Well, to, you know, everybody makes mistakes. To err is human. Whoops. And we really like to minimize sin. Minimize our brokenness. Minimize how messed up we are. Yeah, I got pride, but it's not like I hurt anybody this week. It's not like I murdered somebody. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe there's some lust or something, but it's, but it's not like I had an affair or committed adultery. Huh. And then Jesus in Matthew 5 says, yep, you've heard all that. You've heard it. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. But I tell you, if you have anger, in your heart towards somebody else, you've got all the same seeds of, of anger that leads someone to murder right in, right in you. Yeah, don't commit adultery, but you look at somebody lustfully in your heart. Because sin is not just this outward action that we do. It's something going on inside of us. Hey, what, what does your heart look like? What are your thoughts, your desires? Those things that you think and nobody knows about. You think it's not a big deal because it doesn't hurt somebody else. But with sin, there's always a victim. It'll, at minimum, it's you. Sin's a very big deal. I mean, Paul here is saying, man, there's this war raging in me. Wretched, not mistake man, not, not kind of oops guy. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? This is serious stuff. Sin will be killing you or you'll be killing it. John 10, man, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin is always after you. It's not neutral. It is looking to rob you of life in Jesus, rob you of connection with him, rob you of, of real good relationships with others, rob peace from you. It is looking to take you out. But we like to minimize it. I mean, how many of you have seen um, Stranger Things? Right? Remember that, I think it's season two, where that curly-haired kid, I don't know his name, he gets that little pet from the Underverse, which you're like, what the heck? This is not even a real animal. This thing looks evil. It looks terrible. And the kid's like, yeah, I'm going to put it in my aquarium. And then like, and you're like, this is going to be bad. And then later on, it kind of grows and then escapes and it eats his cat. And you're like, well, maybe it is good. Um... What do you mean, Ricky? I love cats. Come on. Um, right, but, but, the, but then the, the, the animal starts to turn on him. 
That's sin. Sin is always looking to take you out. Get at you. And so, man, it sin's a very big deal. Don't be fooled into thinking that you don't need to share something because it's not that big a deal. Right? So this, this moves us to be like, hey, this is, a, this is a war. This is something legit to be addressed. And, and Paul, again, he asked this question. Man, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Spoiler alert, it ain't you. You can't fix yourself. You don't got what it takes. Neither do I. Because here, here's the thing. A lot of times we don't confess our sins because we think, I got this. I'll figure it out. I can handle it. Because guess what? This next week, mm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get at it. And you might. And then a month later, not so much. God didn't create you for you to be dependent on yourself. I mean, the first thing in the Bible that he says ain't good, it's not good for man to be alone. Jesus didn't come, live a perfect life, be crucified on a cross and raised again so he could just get a bunch of individuals in seats on a Sunday. He died to create a family that loves each other, that, that's there for one another, that prays for one another, serves one another, confesses sins to one another. Why? Because you can't do this alone. And praise God that he gave us a family that we don't have to. Right? You can't fix you. There is no better version of you that's going to get it. There's no cleaning yourself up. There's no New Year's resolution that's going to make you suddenly be able to handle this. Life with Jesus, struggle with sin on your own. Right? Have you, have you ever had that piece of chicken that you put in a bag or, or a, you know, a Tupperware thing? And you put it in the fridge and then a couple weeks later, a month, a couple months later, you're looking at the fridge. You're like, hey, man, I'm going to get a snack here. You're like, hey, I remember that. Get that piece of chicken. Whoa, that's been in there a while. That is stinky. Do you ever, when that happens, just grab some barbecue sauce and put it on and eat it anyways? Right? Some of you are like, yeah, I did do that. <laughs> right? None of us do that. Why? Because you can't just pour barbecue sauce on a piece of rotten chicken and it'd be okay. That thing's rotten. And here's the thing. You are that piece of chicken. Right? You can't just put some good works on you and boof, you're fine. You can't just slap on some like, I'm going to really try hard. And you're all right. You're not the answer. What, what is... What does he say? And, and, and if we're that rotten piece of chicken, we don't need somebody to put some sauce on us. We actually need somebody to make us new from a rotten piece of chicken to a good piece of chicken. Right? We need somebody to make us new. And what does Paul say in verse 25? Look at it. Underline it. Highlight this. Verse 25. Thanks. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. That's who's going to rescue me. That's who's going to save me. Not me, not the law, but Jesus. He's going to save me. I can't fix myself. 
Jesus has, I mean, he's made it clear throughout the book of Romans. Jesus has saved us from the penalty of sin by dying on the cross. He saved us from from the, from the penalty of sin, he saved us from being farther away from God to being reconciled, to being united with Christ. With him, we were enemies, but now we get Christ through his death and resurrection. And then in chapter 8, he talks about how Jesus not just freed us from the, the penalty of sin, but how he's freeing us from the power of sin. Man, Jesus, through Christ, we received the spirit of the living God. In us. He makes us new. He, I, I'm not just some better version of Ricky. I am new in Christ with the spirit of the living God in me. And so when you face whatever struggles, whatever temptations that you have, you're not going at this alone, not just with the body of Christ. You're going with the spirit of God in you. That's power. That's presence of God in you. And we all have this common salvation in and through Jesus, he is the one that saves us. He is the one that empowers us. He is the one that changes us and transforms us. And this is why confession is so powerful. Because in confession, you are not pointing that person or pointing yourself back to a better version of you. You are pointing them to Christ, to the one that they need most. You need Jesus and we point each other back to him. That's why James, when he says, if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. I mean, because if somebody confesses their sins to me, it's not like I give them forgiveness. They have that in Christ, through Christ. It's not like I somehow just kind of heal them and just like, poof, there's this, the sin's gone away. No, how do they heal? Because it's pointing them to Jesus. Jesus brings that. Jesus is the one that's going to change you. Jesus is the one that's going to bring light into that darkness of your heart. Not in a shameful way, but in this loving way. And so here, here's just kind of some practical application. You know, the, the, those things, having this common struggle, having this common salvation that moves us to confession, to, to being open and honest, vulnerable with one another. But here's just kind of some practical application when it comes to confession. First thing is this, is when you confess, confess more than the surface level stuff. Now that might be a process, that might be some steps in there, but I just say dig in there. Well, Psalm 51, David, King David, man after God's own heart, he is sharing, he's, he's having this prayer with God about his sin where he uh, basically forced a married woman to sleep with him and then killed her husband to cover it up. That's a bad week, right? I mean, I think most would say like, yeah, that that's, that's, would be a bad week for me. And he doesn't just say, hey, God, I confess that I did ABC. But he's, he confesses who he was when he did it. What was going on internally in that? And so when you confess sin, don't just confess what you did, but why did you do it? What were the lies that you were believing? What were the truths that you weren't really seeing in Christ? What, why are you thinking that way? Now I get it, that's not fun. 
right? It's not fun to be like, well, hey, why don't you give? Well, you know, gosh, um, I guess I just don't really give anything because I really think it's my money. I think it's my stuff, not God's. I don't really give because I just want to make sure that I have enough money to buy my stuff. I don't really want to be generous because I just want to make sure that I have enough money to do the things I want to do. And, you know, honestly, I really don't care if I worship Jesus in that way. Uh, Maybe I just don't trust that God's going to provide. Hey, well, well, you know, hey, what what caused you to, to, to move towards lust or to get on that website again? Well, I don't know. Man, I guess I'm just really lonely. Hey, I, I feel a lot of shame about who I am, and I think that, that I just look for escape in that. Hey, I just want somebody to want me and desire me. I feel, I feel empty inside. But yeah, I'm just bored. Right? I get it. Saying those things or examining yourself in those ways is not fun. But here's the beauty in that. The more that you dig in there, the more that the healing truth of Jesus shines light into that. Or if you're just saying, like, well, I don't give, somebody's like, well, I don't know, Jesus said give. But if you're like, man, how does Jesus and the truth of who Jesus is overcome those lies that you're believing? Man, that's healing. That's transformational. I mean, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And it's through Christ. And so... Yeah, it's not fun, but man, we get, it. we get to see more of the truth in Christ as we dig into that. Second thing is this, is confession moves us to repentance. Confession is not just about confession, right? Confession isn't just the point. But repentance, that confession leads us to repentance. And repentance is just saying, hey, I'm going to turn away from what I'm doing. I'm going to turn away from whatever I'm believing or that's thinking, desiring, that's not lining up with who Christ is and the truth of the Scripture, and I repent. I'm going to turn away from that, and I'm going to turn to Christ. Not just turn away from it to good behavior, but I'm going to turn away from that to Christ. And so confession moves us to repentance. Next thing is this. The focus of confession isn't how bad you are, but how good God is. Right? Doesn't the cross like in the resurrection just scream to us is like, man, no sin is too big enough, big for Christ. The point isn't how bad you are. Because sharing sin, digging into the, you know, those things, that could bring forth shame and guilt. But here is the beauty, and this is where Paul goes right next, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, to anyone who is in Christ, there is now, Not later, not after you clean yourself up, not after you have a good week. There is now, right now, in your mess, in your darkness, in your sin, now there is no condemnation. Why? Because you are fully liked, loved, approved by God through Christ. The only way for you to be condemned is if Jesus himself is being condemned. The only way for you to not be loved is if somehow just God doesn't, the God the Father doesn't love Jesus. And that can't happen, right? Because you're like, well, he's God. I don't know how, you know, God, Father, Son, the tree, I don't get how it all works, but he's God. And if that is true of Christ, then that, that's been given to you as a gift of grace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ. 
I, I like what Martin Luther says. He says, when we cannot feel God's forgiveness, you should ask a brother or a sister in Christ to speak the word of the gospel to you. Even when you confess. I mean, I'll, I'll admit, you know, one of the things that I, I struggle with is just being, feeling insecure. Man, am I a sucky pastor? Gosh, is this thing getting, if I fail, is that just because God thinks I'm a failure too? Man, what if I'm, you know, all, the, all these other things. And if I just keep that bottled up, hey, Ricky, you handle it. What am I missing out on? A brother or sister in Christ speaking to me the truth of who I am in Christ and what I have in Christ, not because of how good I perform or anything like that, but because of the grace and love of Jesus Christ. So it points us to not how bad we are, but, but the goodness of God. And here's, here's this last practical thing with confession. You know, if you're confessing or somebody's confessing something to you, is, is just the prayer and the word of God. Yeah, I get it. That's churchy. But James 5, you know, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Because if we're pointing each other to Christ and our dependence on him, then, man, pray. Ask God. God, man, I don't believe in who you are. Please help me. God, I don't want to really turn away from this. Give me the desire and the discipline to turn away from it and turn to you. Man, pray for each other. Go to him. Also, the word of God. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus says, man, sanctify them. Change them. Make them more like Christ. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's how we, that we receive more and more of the truth of God. It's just through, through the word of God. Helps us to believe. Helps us even maybe, you know, as we dig into scripture to recognize more and more of the lies that, that creep in. And so for us, as, as a, just as a church family, right, we all have this common struggle of sin, of darkness, of pain, shame, guilt. We all have it. But we all have a common salvation. We all have the common solution that is in and through Christ. So imagine a group of people. Imagine a church family. Imagine a city group. Imagine a huddle that don't give in to the pool to try to make their lives seem all great. That don't give in to the pool to just put away, always put on a happy face and to pretend that they're not struggling with something. Imagine a group of people that don't have to live under the burden of just trying to think that they have to fix themselves all the time and make themselves better. But a group of people that just say, hey, you know what, I can't. That just lives in the freedom of saying, hey, I'm not looking to me, I'm not looking to my own power, but we are looking to Jesus and his goodness and what he has done and what he's going to do in us and how he's going to strengthen us by his power, by his grace. Imagine a group of people that are really quick to confess sin and repent and turn back to Christ, a, a group of people that, that as we confess that more and more truth is being spoken to one another, more and more the goodness of Christ is being spoken to one another, that we're pointing each other to him, sin is being battled. And the, then, then the fruit of the spirit, just of who Christ is, is just growing in us. 
and that that is being shined out to this world that is in desperate need of Christ. Because we're a, a family that just says, hey, this is me. You can know me, and you could, that we just love one another in this, that we're not alone. I like what pastor and author Timothy Keller says. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting, but it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that's like being loved by God. May we be that kind of family that knows each other but fully loves each other in all of the mess, in all the sin, and points each other to Christ. Let's pray.